Welcome to Beatitudes, where your host, Dr. Kwame Tsukina, will give you tools to experience wisdom in your everyday life. Listen each week as Dr. Kwame Tsukina shares stories that will help guide your faith, perspective, and attitude in every situation. This is Dr. Tsukina of Indigenous Messengers International, and here is our host. Today, we're going to talk about be transcendent, therefore eternal. As I began to work on this episode, I thought of how this series has been launched during a a real time of challenge for me. And I would really love to come on here and be competent and feel competent and strong. But right now, I just don't. It's just that simple. I'm in another season where Yahweh is the strength in my weakness. Not only am I in the middle of another yucky relapse from my medical issues, but I'm in a time that I feel really, really overwhelmed. Are any of you out there dealing with the same thing right now? A lot of my friends I've talked to have said they're dealing with some of that as well. It seems that many of us are in a season of pressure, either physically relationally, financially, or all of the above. It's just a difficult time for many people. That doesn't mean it's not also a time of rejoicing and joy and there's good things going on in our lives, but it seems like there's just been a shift and there's just a lot of stress on people these days, especially with the economy. I was speaking to a friend the other day, and I was describing to them how I'm feeling right now. And I had these three visuals. Many times I see pictures in my head, and that's how I'm able to express how I feel. And I had these three visuals that are very descriptive of how I'm feeling right now. One of them is that I'm at a batting range, you know, where you can go and pay, where you can practice batting and get your batting average up. And they have the little machine that throws the balls at you, and then you stand and you hit the balls. Well, I'm in a batting range where the balls are supposed to be thrown to you, except the machine that I'm working with is broken, and all the balls are coming out at once. And I can't even try to swing at them. In in the visual, I, I began trying to swing, and I'm at the place that I've thrown the bat down, and I'm just dodging balls, just trying to keep the balls from hitting me. The second visual I had is that I'm buried under the dirt completely. And I'm too deep to be able to push myself out. There's too much dirt on top of me. But I have this little straw in my mouth that goes up through the dirt. And it's my only access for air. And in the visual, I'm trying to stay very calm. Because if I get freaked out, I know I'm probably going to hyperventilate because there's not that much air coming through that little straw. And I won't be able to breathe at all. So I'm trying to stay calm and focused to keep that tiniest little bit of air coming through. And I have to stay in the moment because I know I'm not going to be saved unless Jesus comes and digs me out. So I'm trying to trust the process when I can't see and I can barely breathe that I'm going to be rescued. And the third one, the third visual, is recently I've been doing some work on the trauma that I have that happens with a reoccurring illness especially with anaphylaxis, where you almost die several times. And I've had many of those episodes as of late. And 
so I'm working on that with the, you know, helping to dissipate some of that trauma so that when I'm going through that, I can stay as calm as possible and not create more trauma for myself. And the picture I have with that was it's a, it's a rubber band ball. You know, you can go into the store like Walmart or one of the other stores and go to where they have all the office supplies. And you can go there and you can buy a box of rubber bands or you can buy a rubber band ball. And it's all the rubber bands that have been put on top of each other till it forms a ball about the size of a baseball. It's all these colored rubber bands wrapped around each other. And I thought to myself, that's a picture of the amount of trauma that I've been through in my life. And if I start unwrapping those rubber bands now, I think Jesus will probably come back before I get them all cleared. So those are the three visuals I've had. Let's face it, folks. If it's up to me, it ain't going to be. I can't do this myself. And I need a big G God, a big God with a name. I need Yahweh to handle the size of the job that I have. And I'm sure there are many of you that feel the same way. I'm just overwhelmed with all those balls coming my way and the tiny straw to try to breathe and the rubber band ball of trauma in my life. It, the word that I get is overwhelmed. Have any of you ever been overwhelmed? Or are you overwhelmed right now. I'm hoping that this will help us. It will help to reinforce it with me as I share my experience, strength, and hope. And I hope that it will help you as well. And what do the scriptures say about being overwhelmed? It says, when my heart is overwhelmed, lead me to the rock that is higher than I. Now, I know I'm being very transparent here, and I'm putting my vulnerabilities out there for all to hear and all to see I'm really exposing myself. And I'm doing that in hopes of encouraging someone else who might be struggling in the way I have been off and on for over 36 years dealing with a chronic issue. I'm reminded now of how in my first episode, it was on being authentic. So here it is, my authenticity. I've never been able to teach something actually that I haven't lived or might have to live again. And this is that. My attempt to share my experience, strength, and hope with another traveler down the road of life. My experience is mine, but my strength and hope come from a power greater than myself, who I know personally as Yahweh, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the God of Israel, and the Yah of me. You know, guys, if we live long enough, we're going to all go through challenges. Some will be more than we think we can bear. But with God's help, we will bear more than we can even imagine. And God will help us to become better and not bitter. Better and not bitter. My husband and I have rescued many animals over the years. And they, the, the animals we've rescued have been through a lot of trauma. And we found them to be really grateful to us. But the truth be known, we feel they rescued us, not the opposite. They have been our teachers, and they have taught us so many things. So I'm going to share a little story with you about Smokey. Smokey was a, a blue Russian cat, a grayish color, that came to our home one winter when he was cold and hungry, and, and we took him in. Of course, we're, we love animals. And he became a fat cat, and he loved to gently nip our hands as a sign of love. He was a, a good boy, and we still miss him to this day. But when we would take Smokey to the vet, he hated it. 
and we would put him in his cat carrier, and then we would put him in the car, and on the way to the vet, he would cry, but it sounded like he was saying, why me? Why me? (laughs) We would laugh because that's exactly what it sounded like. He was meowing, but it was, why me? Why me? Listen, I relate to Smokey. When the chronic difficulties of life come my way and I feel stuck in my circumstances, my temptation is to cry, why me, Lord? Why me? There is a difference in acute difficulties and chronic difficulties. Acute difficulties, you know, when you have a strep throat or you have a, a temporary thing, you know, there's in the back of your mind, you know you're going to get over it. Acute difficulties get better in a reasonable amount of time. And most often, there's a lot of hope in the midst of the trial. Chronic difficulties have no end in sight. And since hope deferred can make the heart sick, as the scriptures say, hope is often scarce and the heart can faint. Reminds me of the scriptures where David called out, How long, O Lord? And I've said that so many times in 36 years. How long, O Lord? And my friends have said it. Now listen, I'm not, I am not beyond or, you know, beyond or above or deliverance and prayers for healing. And I believe in miracles. Like I said, I was healed of thyroid cancer supernaturally. They took my thyroid out and the cancer was gone. They had done several biopsies, about seven, no, three biopsies and seven pathologists, different ones looked at it. They all saw papillary cancer. And when they took the thyroid out, it was not there. That is a miracle. So I have received a miracle of healing. In this situation, I have not. It doesn't mean I'm not wishing it would happen. Most people don't like suffering. They want to be healed. And most people aren't being sick to get attention. There's better ways to get attention than suffering. But there are times in our lives we have chronic issues. It's not always around illness. It can be a child that's struggling. It can be the loss of a child. It can be an addiction in a family. It can be mental illness. It can be financial difficulties where things just keep going on and on. And that's not always that we have failed that we're not doing something right. Sometimes it's just, it just is. It just is. In those times, our suffering brains will call out, why me? Why me, Lord? And people that are suffering and and not getting an answer immediately, there's a lot of shame with that. There's a lot of judgment that, that people who are suffering, myself, we put on ourselves, Am I not good enough? Am I not smart enough? I don't have enough faith. Did I do something wrong? Is God punishing me? All those kind of things can come up, especially in a suffering brain. Or let this cup pass from me. Or my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Jesus himself said those two things. This, he, was, he was God. And he said that himself because the human body reacts certain ways under suffering, and it's not a lack of faith. You know, even Yeshua himself found himself overwhelmed with the challenges of his calling. When we have a calling, most often there's a cost to that. 
and the price can be steep, and other people won't always understand that. Some things are beyond human explanation and understanding, and I really personally don't have any idea why a loving God would allow so much suffering to take place in my life or in the lives of others. All I know, I've had to settle it in my mind that God is good and that He loves me, regardless of what I'm feeling or seeing or experiencing. And the rest of it is beyond my capacity to figure out. I had to stop trying to understand and accept. Suffering can cause so much self-focus and make us feel what, what I call, and I've heard called, terminally unique. We aren't. We aren't unique. And that's the, one of the things I have disliked the most about the illness is how much self-focus it pulls you into trying to figure out how to get better, what to do, keep yourself going. It's really challenging. Suffering in this life is universal. And being a believer, a person of faith, does not make us exempt to suffering. If we live long enough, we're going to encounter some situation that's going to be out of our control. That's why I have needed Yahweh so desperately to bring me above the circumstances in life. There are times that the suffering is so great that I feel pretty trapped. And you can't always just think your way out of that. You, you really can't. It's beyond your capacity. And that's why I say, thank God for God. And I say, I don't see how people do it that don't have some spiritual base in their lives. Because I couldn't have made it without that. Some years back, I was in a very significant relapse of my autoimmune illness. And I'll, I'm going to tell you what that is. It's systemic mastocytosis, which causes the... the immune system to go awry, and you release all these mediators, one of them being histamine that causes anaphylaxis to the least of anything, and dysautonomia, which means that my autonomic nervous system is completely impaired, and your autonomic nervous system is the part of your nervous system that deals with breathing, your heart rhythm, uh, being able to see and focus, your digestion, your blood pressure, your breathing, um, your sleep cycles, I can't even name it, all of them, but all of that becomes impaired because the autonomic nervous system is damaged. That happened to me from Epstein-Barr virus that I got in the 80s. There are people who got leukemia from it, lymphoma from it, but many people got what back then was diagnosed as chronic fatigue syndrome, which actually was, for many, mast cell activation disorder or mastocytosis and dysautonomia or brain encephalitis. It's where it affects every part of your body. It's very similar to long COVID that some people are dealing with now from having the coronavirus or COVID. These viruses that we're encountering now during our time on the earth are unlike any of the viruses from the past in that they can and do alter the cells of the body in some people. Not everyone is affected, but some people are. And I'm one of those people. I spent years praying for the illnesses to disappear. And I still do ask God to deliver me from them. I ask him, sometimes I beg him, because the suffering is great. I'm not going to go into all the details. I don't want to give you my, you know, a big long list of all the things I deal with. You know, I don't even want to think about them that much. But I try to stay in life to the best of my ability. And because at the end of my life, I want to have lived a life. 
Years ago, while I was suffering in a relapse, I cried out to God for help. And I mean cry out. I mean, I really cry. Being stuck in a suffering body without any way out of it can put a real toll on your emotions. Not just the physical trials. I mean, it really has, it, it affects the brain. And it can be very traumatizing to feel stuck without any end in sight. It can be a very trapping feeling. During my prayers, I would hear the Lord say the words, this word to me over and over, transcendence, Guamanique, transcendence, transcendence. So I finally, you know, said, Yahweh, what is transcendence? And I was also hearing him say, Christopher Reeve, Christopher Reeve, Christopher Reeve. So I'm like, well, when I hear things like that from the Lord, I, it kind of sends me on a little journey. And I start researching because I want to know, I want to interpret what the Lord is saying to me because I'm desperate for direction. Now, I knew that Christopher Reeve had played Superman in the movie Superman. Uh, some of you in the younger generation may not remember that, but we do in our generation. And I, but I couldn't understand why God would be pointing him out to me about suffering while I was suffering and asking God for help. So when I did the research to translate the message that God was giving me, you know, like, what are you trying to say, God? What, what, what are you telling me here? I realized and learned that transcendence is the, is, is the existence or experience beyond the normal physical level. The possibility of spiritual transcendence in the finite world into eternity, into eternal time, eternal things. Transcendence is the quality of being able to go beyond normal limits or boundaries and be above the circumstances. So I got that, and then next I looked up the information on Christopher Reeve. He's most famous for playing Superman in the movie, and I, and I knew that. And I also knew he'd been in a horse riding accident in 1995, but that's as far as it went for me. But when I did the research... I found out that he actually had the horse. What happened was he was attempting to jump with his horse and the horse suddenly stopped before the third fence and he fell off his horse, landing on his head and shattered his first and second vertebrae. I didn't realize the depths of the suffering, though, that he encountered in his own battle that taught him the power of transcendence. And I didn't know that he'd been prepared previous to this to understand transcendence, that he'd already been through a lot of things that none of us really knew about that weren't publicized. He looked all strong and all together, and we don't always know what people are going through based on how they look. I have people say to me all the time, you don't look sick. How do you do so much being sick? You don't look, even my doctors, you know. But we don't always know the struggles that people are going through. We have no way of knowing well, after five days of being heavily medicated, he regained consciousness, and he learned that he was unable to breathe without a ventilator. He hadn't sustained brain damage, so his brain was clear as a bell, which probably made it harder, because I'm sure he pre pretty much felt a lot more trapped in his body than I do. His first thoughts were that his life was ruined, and he would be a burden to his family, and it might just be best to slip away. And he had that conversation with his wife. He said, it might just be best for me to go on. I, you know, I want to die. 
And she said, well, let's wait for a little while. We'll revisit that later. She was a very wise woman because she knew he was in the throes of grief and feeling trapped. And So I'm sharing with you some of what this man went through, and it's a very long story made short. But he, he suffered more than I have time to share, all the things he went through. It's unimaginable what people have to go through, um, especially people that have been in wrecks and, and they're paraplegic or quadriplegic. And He went through inner torment, he said, especially in the ICU when he was alone during the night. And one night was really hard for him as he was facing surgery the next day to reattach his skull to his spine. It had come, it had broken at the brainstem. And there was only a 50-50 chance that he would survive. And at this lowest point, he said, the door flew open and a guy in yellow scrubs with a blue scrub hat speaking with a Russian accent rushed in to say he was a proctologist and he was there to, to do a rectal exam on Christopher. And it was his dear friend, Robin Williams. <laughs> For the first time... Since the accident, he laughed. He realized he was going to be okay when he laughed. Suffering people, we need others to keep us, keep on, keep us keeping on, keeping on. And Robin Williams did that for his friend. But that that could have happened for Robin Williams at the end of his life because he found himself in the same despair. We need each other. And that's another reason why I'm transparent. I'm just going to tell you right now, I have these friends of mine that are like family to me that we've adopted, and I call them the Pearl Girls, and we have a prayer chain, and there's, there's about 19 of us on the chain, and anytime something goes up, we go to that prayer chain and we list what's going on. I'm not, I can't afford to be so proud that I don't ask for help, and the enemy of our souls loves to get us isolated and completely pulled off from everyone else, and then he'll just hammer us with accusations in our mind, in our brain, torment. So I need those people. We need each other. And, and suffering people don't need judgment. That's more isolating. When we are in suffering, we need to be able to share that openly, not be judged and not be told to, you know, to pull ourselves up by our bootstraps and try harder most people that I know that are suffering deeply have tried and tried and tried again. And try harder just doesn't work. Surrender and some of those things we have to do. After a month in the hospital, he spent five months in rehab to continue his recovery. And he had to learn skills to operate his wheelchair by breathing through a straw. Interesting, he was breathing through a straw. And my, sign, my, thing, my visual that I had was breathing through a straw. And that's the only way that he could move his wheelchair. He exercised four to five hours a day to stimulate his muscles to help prevent atrophy and osteoporosis. He wanted to be able to walk again one day. So he had that in his mind, I'm going to keep my muscles going so that I don't miss the opportunity if it happens to come my way in my lifetime to be able to walk again. He didn't pine away waiting to walk again, though. Two years after the accident, he had moved back home and reported that he was glad to be alive, not only out of obligation to others, but because life was worth living to him again. 
The accident caused Christopher to go through intense grief for two years. But he gradually resolved to make the best of his life, and he did so. Though it took time to get through the grief, he didn't give up. As he came above his circumstances, he began to think about others, not just himself. This led him to his work as an activist for disability patients. He also worked in the film industry, wrote and promoted his books, and was an involved and loving husband and father. When I read some of the things that he did, I want to, I want to read some of that, of what, what Christopher Reeve did with his life. His first effort was to change disability legislation he supported a 1997 bill that would raise the lifetime cap on insurance payments from the standard $1 million to $10 million per person for catastrophically injured people with one insurance policy. And the $1 million limit often lasts just a few years. The bill was narrowly defeated. In 1999, he supported the Work Incentives Improvement Act, which allows people to continue to receive disability benefits after they return to work. This bill passed. He was elected chairman of the American Paralysis Association, now the Christopher and Dana Reeve Foundation, and vice chairman of the National Organization on Disability. With Joan Irvine Smith, he co-founded the Reeve Irvine Research Center, which is now one of the leading spinal cord research centers in the world. In 1999, the American Paralysis Association and another foundation Reeve had founded was, were merged into the Christopher Reeve Foundation, which aims to speed up research through funding and to use grants to improve the quality of the lives of people with disabilities. The foundation to date has given more than $65 million to research and more than $8.5 million in quality of life grants. Of Christopher Reeve, UC Irvine said, in the years following his injury, Christopher did more to pr promote research on spinal cord injury and other neurological disorders than any other person before or since. Reeve served as a board member for several organizations that aim to improve quality of life for people with disability. He lobbied for expanded federal funding on embryonic stem cell research, and he worked with, uh, the, uh, to get stem cells involved in helping create work with people with cancer, people with um, spinal cord injuries. As you can see, he didn't let grass grow under his feet. He didn't just sit around, which is an inspiration to me because there's days that, that, that I'm overwhelmed. As I studied his life, I could see why God had pointed him out to me, because he truly was an overcomer, and he was transcending his circumstances. But the real clincher for me, <laughs> that I knew I was hearing from God to study Christopher's life and learn from it, was what, what I found out in my research. I ordered his book. I wanted to read his book. And when I ordered his book and I was reading his book, I found out that the same disease I've struggled with, it was not known or publicized, but there it was in the book that Christopher Reeve had mastocytosis, the very illness I have. The, this is in his own words. The moment I understood the gravity of my situation, when he had the fall off the horse, my immediate reaction was that such a life was unacceptable, even though I knew absolutely nothing about living as event-dependent quadriplegic. 
I realized that there was no cure for spinal cord injuries like mine, and I would forever be dependent on others for the basic necessities of daily existence. My role as a husband and the father of three children would be severely compromised because paralysis had suddenly transformed me into a 42-year-old infant. I thought it would be selfish and unfair to remain alive. I remember going over my life, taking inventory of all the cuts, bruises, broken bones, and illnesses I had weathered, ranging from mononucleosis to malaria and mastocytosis, a rare disease that destroys red blood cells as they emerge from the bone marrow and causes anaphylaxis and many other things. At age 16, I developed alcopecia, a condition that causes patches of baldness in an otherwise healthy head of hair. Fortunately, I was able to comb over the spots, and there were long periods of remission when the baldness disappeared. I was a survivor. I always had been. A part of me insisted that this situation shouldn't be any different. Another part acknowledged that this time I had gone over the edge and was free-falling into the unknown. However, he chose to go with the part that said, You're a survivor. You've already been through these things. You can be above these circumstances, too. I was blown away. Christopher Reeve had the same life-threatening and exacerbating illness that I have. And that's why God pointed him out to me. Not only was he dealing with the struggles from his accident, but it also compounded it with his anaphylaxis and allergic reactions from medications and procedures in the hospital. In fact, it's believed that what eventually took his life was he was sick, had an infection, and they gave him an antibiotic and that he had an allergic reaction due to the mastocytosis. Before he left the bonds of earth, though, he had managed to transcend the circumstances and leave the world a much better place. Christopher passed away October 2004 at 52 years of age. He left behind his wife, Dana, and three children, two from a previous marriage, and a son, Will, with his wife, Dana. Dana, a non-smoker, who had supported him and cared for him and been with him, loved him, contracted lung cancer and died 17 months after Christopher at age 44, leaving behind Will at 13 years of age. Their son, Will, was orphaned at 13 years of age. She said that she reframed her struggle with cancer, not only as a challenge, but also as a window of opportunity. She said that cancer that is ongoing is debilitating, stressful, alters your life, and how you perceive the world, and brings discomfort and uncertainty about the future. But she said, it made me think about Christopher and what he had been to. It gave me more understanding and empathy. I thought I had empathy, but not till I went through cancer did I really realize what people in wheelchairs have to deal with and what people that have chronic illnesses. But it built so much empathy and understanding for others in me. It helped me to advocate those last 17-year months months of her life, she, she continued to advocate, and she said she had joy. She, too, was able to transcend her circumstances. That's unfathomable. She's leaving behind a 13-year-old son. Amazing woman. It's no wonder that their son, Will, is the man he is today. His father was paralyzed before he was three years old, and then when he was 11 years old, 
his father died. 17 months later, at the age of 13, his mother died of cancer. He then moved in with a friend of his mother's until he launched into his adulthood. After interning at Good Morning America and graduating college, he worked at ESPN Sports Center and has been a correspondent for ABC News since 2018. He also serves as a board member of the Christopher and Dana Reed Foundation, advocating for legislation and research in the study of spinal cord injuries and helping to improve the quality of life for disabled people. Clearly, his parents were role models that showed him through action that transcendence is possible. What are the common traits of self-transcendent people? A transcendent person will focus, uh, sorry, a transcendent person will work to find meaning in their lives and seek something greater than themselves. A transcendent person wants to create something for the world and engage in work to help others. A transcendent person is receptive to the beauty in the world. They'll stop and smell the roses. They are in the here and now. Be here now is their slogan. And they live in the present. And they're present to others. A transcendent person is not ego-based and focuses on bringing goodness to the world, not building empires to the self. A transcendent person is morally motivated to do what is in the best of others and will consider this in all their decisions. And a transcendent person will rise above their own misfortune and bring about goodness from it that will benefit from the world. God will bring beauty from ashes in their lives. This is what Yahweh was wanting to teach me when I went to him with my why me. His answer was really, why not you? Why not you? And are you willing to partner with me to take you above the circumstances into the eternal realm? We are seated in heavenly places with Christ, it says in the scriptures. Over the years, not only Christopher Reeve became a hero to me, a real superman, but Steve Gleason did, who has changed the face of ALS for so many people. The football player who was stricken with ALS, and years later, he just won, I think, a presidential Award. He's fathered two children and he can't speak. And he's raised funds too to help people with ALS that can't speak be able to. He challenged Microsoft and they came up with a way for them to be able to blink their eyes and speak. These are heroic people that their circumstances, they use them to change the world for so many people. Many other suffering souls who are rising above their circumstances have become my heroes as well. There's one Tar Nolan. I'd like to just mention her. I mean, she was in a horrific accident and lost a child and is now in a wheelchair and just working and doing everything she can to put her life back together, not the way it was, but as an inspiration to other people, learning how to write again. So, and she spends her time drawing cards and sending them to people and being positive. And a woman that, that wrote the book, I think it's Suffer Strong, who is in a wheelchair who had a brain stem stroke and has continued her life to advocate for people and bring help and healing and encouragement. And she and her husband have said that everyone is in a wheelchair, sometimes, but they're invisible. We are, all have our own wheelchairs. 
We all have our own disabilities. I just want to encourage all of you people out there who are suffering, who are in trials, to not give up. We can surrender to the process with God holding us all together, but not to give up, not to give up on life. People who are allowing God to use their difficulties to inspire others and advocate for others and pave the way for others to transcend as well, they are my heroes. You are my heroes. All of you who are doing that in your lives. And when you are a hero, you don't always feel like a hero. You don't look like a hero to yourself. But if you're hanging in there in difficult circumstances, in chronic circumstances, and you're continuing to stand, the scriptures, God says in the scriptures, when you've done all else, stand. And I'm thinking about what we called our dog soldiers in First Nations. They would take their spear and put it into the ground as deep as it would go and they'd tie themselves to it. And when the enemy would come, they would stand and they would fight to the death. On my most difficult days, I remember that this life is fleeting and that eternity is forever. And like I said, if we're seated in heavenly places with Christ, then we can get a glimpse of heaven now as he raises us up above our circumstances in transcendence. There is always someone who has it worse than us. There's always someone. And sometimes I will think of those people and then just do my gratitude list. Thank you, God, that I'm not having it that bad, that hard. And pray for those people. Always someone who has it worse. And many of those people have asked God to help them transcend, and they're bringing goodness to the world in the midst of it. I want to be one of those people. I want to to have a life that will inspire others to do the same as Christopher Reeve's life did for me and those other heroes. I want to be one of those people. It's not too late. The world needs a hero. We all need a hero. We can all be a hero with the power of God within us because God does miraculous things. He takes us above the circumstances. I'd like to leave us today with some words from Christopher Reeve himself because, you know, when we leave our words, that they're eternal. He's already in eternity with his wife. But these are some of the things that he left with us. These are quotes from Christopher Reeve. Once you choose hope, anything's possible. You've got to give more than you take. In the face of adversity, hope often comes in the form of a friend who reaches out to us, like Robin Williams did for him. By reaching out, more comes back than you can possibly imagine. At first, dreams seem impossible, then improbable, and eventually inevitable. Gratitude, like love, needs to be active. Living in fear is not living at all. It's pretty irrefutable that you can help yourself. I just don't believe in ultimatums. You should have a dream and absolutely go for it. Don't let anybody say you can't do it. We all have powers within us that we don't know exist until we're tested. 
There are no limitations to what you can do if you have the determination. What I do is based on powers we all have inside us. The ability to endure, the ability to love, to carry on, to make the best of what we have, and you don't have to be a Superman to do it. The key to success is letting the relationships in your life grow to the highest levels they possibly can, not putting yourself first in life and remembering that the more you give away, the more you have. I'm not living the life I thought I would lead, but it does have meaning, purpose. There's love, there's joy, there's laughter. I want to thank you for giving me life, a message to God. Life, it's like a game of cards. Sometimes you get lucky and sometimes you don't, but I think the game is worthwhile. You can do anything you think you can. So many of our dreams at first seem impossible, then they seem improbable, and then when we summon the will, they soon become inevitable. When John Kennedy promised that by the end of the 1960s we would put a man on the moon, everybody, including the scientists, shook their heads in dismay. But we did it. We can cure spinal cord injuries, too. If there's the will, what was possible in outer space is possible in inner space. Self-pity comes in the beginning, and it does recur. But what you begin to say to yourself instead of, what life do I have, is, what life can I build? And the answer, surprisingly, is more than you can think. It's not a question of if, but when. You play the hand you're dealt, I think the game's worthwhile. Your body is not who you are. The mind and spirit transcend the body. I truly feel that if you understand yourself and set goals without the regulations and limitations others put on you, then nothing is impossible. And I'll end with this. A hero is an ordinary individual who finds the strength to persevere and endure in spite of overwhelming obstacles. I want to dedicate this podcast today to Tar Nolan, who is one of my heroes. I've had the privilege to get to know her some. I want to get to know her better. She's amazing. Um, has been through so much, and she is working every day to walk again. And this woman works, 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 doesn't give up, positive. She is like Christopher Reeve. And I think of Christopher Reeve and what he did and how it probably opened some doors for her, the things that he did from his accident. That's why it's so important that we show up in our disabilities because we can open the gate. We might not see the benefit of it in our lives, but since it is eternity that we're dealing with, we can build eternity for the next generations. Thank you for being on the podcast with me today. In the midst of my weakness, sometimes I kind of crawl in here and sit in here and don't know if I'll have the strength to get through it or not, and I do because God gives me the strength. He is my source and my help, my very present help in times of trouble. And so I just want to praise and thank God today. What would I do without 
the Lord? I dare to even ask myself that question. If you don't know or have a relationship with God, it's such a hard thing to do by yourself. And my granddaughter said to me one day, she said, you know, this little boy at school, Jimmy doesn't believe in God. And I said, well, that's okay, Bugs, because God believes in him. So many of us have this religious connotation to God. He was not religious. If it's too hard for the disabled, children, the mentally ill, the intellectually challenged, it's not God. It's religious. He's simple. He came down. He protocoled us. He came down. He didn't have to come down with us to sit in the circle, as the natives say. He came down into the circle with us. And he's still here. So if you're struggling today, you can call out for that help. And he believes in you, even if you haven't believed in him. And he is there and ready to put his arms around you and embrace you and help you transcend your circumstances. I am convinced of that after 36 years of it myself. I'd like to invite you to our website, indigenousmessengers.com. My husband's art's on there. He's an incredible artist. He's an Alaska native, and he paints a lot about the culture, and he also paints a lot of spiritual things. And he is what I would call a Hebrew scholar, Hebraic scholar. So a lot of DVDs and things on there that will really take you out of your box. And he's one of the best teachers I've ever heard. So I would encourage you to go and listen, uh, get look at some of the stuff there that's offered. And I also want to also remind you of the gathering we're having in Richmond, Virginia. It's going to be July 14th, 15th, and 16th. And um, you can go on my Facebook, Kwamanique Robin Sukina, to see the flyers that are on there about it. We would love to have you come. It's going to be an incredible time when the Native Americans get together and we have like a reunion and we worship the Creator together, which we call him Chief Quarterstone in the Bible, Yeshua. Um, when we get together and do that and we partner with the Jewish people as well, it's a powerful, powerful thing. And we will come in our priestly garments, which is our regalia. We're going to do a, a grand entry on Saturday night where we will come in to worship the King of Kings in our very best. We will drum, we will dance, we will sing, and we will spend time together. So I invite you to that. You can find that information on my website. I'm, I'm not on the website, on my Facebook. And I want to remember my grandkids again. I love remembering my grandkids. I want to remember them and remember them before the Lord. I pray for them that they will be blessed and they will always be close to God. So I dedicate this podcast also to um, my grandchildren and my children and my great-grandchildren who are the just the treasure of my life. So thank you for being with us today. Blessings. Thank you for listening to Beatitudes with Dr. Kwamenik Sukina. Be sure to follow the show for more tools on how to experience wisdom in your everyday life for you to walk in victory with the right attitude.